marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. Barry Peterson. You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. You're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Oh, good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. The Cannabis Hour is a biweekly radio program here on KZYX, where we discuss all things cannabis. And this is actually the first live Cannabis Hour of 2022. So extra special show. Thanks for listening. I hope you're all doing well out there and enjoying the new year. I've got two guests on the line with me today. I have the esteemed attorney at law, Hannah Nelson. She is also the senior policy advisor for Mendocino Cannabis Alliance and policy advisor for Origins Council and Mensch at large for our community 100%. I also have Michael Katz, the Executive Director of Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. And today we're going to be checking in with the uh, regulated cannabis world to see what is going on there. We're going to be discussing a following proposal written by Hannah Nelson that would allow licensed cultivators the um, ease to take a year or perhaps more off from farming cannabis, but maintaining their licenses at the same time. And we're also going to be discussing um, this op-ed written by Hannah also um, for the publication Mando Fever, published last week on January 13th. And the title is Potential Extinction of Taxpaying Legal Mendocino Cultivators Must Be Addressed by Mendocino County. So I think that title gives you a pretty good idea of the content there. And we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to bring my guests on to say hello. Hannah, are you here with us? I am. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. And Michael, are you here with us as well? I believe so. Hey, Jen. Hey, Hannah. Hi. Thanks for joining us, both of you. All right, Hannah, what would you like to discuss first, the fouling proposal or the op-ed? Well, let's go ahead and talk about the fouling proposal, um, also because a a number of things came up since I uh, wrote the red line to the current ordinances and submitted to the ad hoc. You know, I think it makes sense for me to outline a couple of the changes that I suggested, but also address important issues related to taxes that came up um, that interface with this issue that I think need clarifying as well. That That sounds great. And I want to let our listeners know that around 930, we're going to be um, taking callers 
So, you know, listen in. And if you have questions for Hannah or Michael or myself about what we're talking about, you need clarification or you just have a comment, you're going to have the opportunity to call in around 930. So stay tuned for that. And take it away, Hannah. Okay. Well, essentially, um, there's been obviously a great need for a mechanism for farmers to stay in line in their application process or keep their status as uh, a licensed operator in Mendocino County, but at the same time, take time off either for purely economic reasons, let's say an equity grant hasn't come through in time or funding for a uh, CDFW project hasn't come in or they even just have a personal matter that um, requires them to focus energy on their family or, or some other reason or even though we've had a so far better than year la- than last year in rain, uh, we're not out of the drought, and certainly drought conditions could also affect the decision to not grow cannabis uh, for a cannabis business that's still trying to operate. And we've had a mechanism in the county to both stay a pending application, meaning the person hadn't yet received an annual local permit, as well as to take time off if they do have an annual permit. However, those programs um, had some pretty serious limitations that do not make it practical or viable for most small cannabis businesses to take advantage of. And a few of those limitations included the amount of time that one can take off. It's very restrictive, one time in five years. Um, it also required, uh, and I, I don't think that this was completely intentional. It's just how it was uh, not really flushed out entirely when it was instituted. It required people to have no cannabis drying or stored or in the process of uh, being sold or transferred to a distributor. And for that reason, Sometimes the time at which somebody could take advantage of pausing was very impractical, um, and it would require them to completely destroy any inventory that they had rather than still be able to make the small amount of money that the market now provides for it. So those things coupled together with kind of an unknown situation of whether or not they would be bumped out of line for things like CEQA or other things really made it very impractical for people to take advantage of. So the suggestions that I had submitted to the ad hoc involved changing some of those items so that the time restrictions were eliminated and the pragmatics of being able, as long as you're not growing new crop of cannabis, to be able to take advantage of it. And an important feature that I included was the ability to maintain genetics uh, because that's certainly another concern for people. So I'm hopeful that the full board will consider this proposal. 
Um, one of the other kind of side notes is that as a practical matter, you know, the the Mendocino Cannabis Program website didn't really have posted any longer the process by which an annual permit holder could um, file a stay or this following. Um, and, and it's just kind of a little small example of not really being forthright on the website. And I don't think it's intentional. I just think it's an organizational thing and people not really having the information out there that there are these tools that I believe do need to be improved upon, but some of which exist. And then a final comment before I get into the tax implications of this is that there really is um, a need to to just make processes in general a little bit more pragmatic and simple. And uh, if we can work in partnership with MCP and the board or the ad hoc that's addressing various issues, I think it would go uh, a lot more smoothly and people would be able to take advantage of the intent to make sure that people are successful. This program was in place uh, an ability to stay even an application uh, for for quite some time and it's in, in fact in the ordinance it was enunciated that people could take advantage of it in order to prevent denial so that's something that of course i hope in the upcoming notices people are not facing denial but if they are this is one mechanism that regardless of whether any changes are made, they may be able to take advantage of in order to perfect whatever items are insufficient uh, that leads to a preliminary determination of de denial. So it's an important factor to realize as well. I'm going to pause there and then I want to talk about the tax implications. Okay, thank you, Hannah, for all that great information. This is certainly extremely important for our cultivators right now. Um, we all know the dismal state of the cannabis market. The challenges are mounting and piling up, and there are lots of folks out there that really think it would be better to just take a year off from the whole thing, but they don't want to lose their licenses. And like you explained, the system that exists for that is sort of overly restrictive and not quite super realistic. Uh, Michael, do you have anything that you wanted to add or expand on that Hannah explained there about the following proposal? Uh, just very briefly, you know, I, I see this as life support. Uh, this is this is not an ideal scenario that we're in, and it, it's unfortunate that we even have to be addressing this sort of thing. But in order for people to be able to save their businesses right now and not lose their place and not potentially be zoned out, uh, they're looking for other ways to make money and not be able to full time farm. You know, with all the uncertainty coming up and the season not that far away from starting, uh, this is the kind of thing that would really enable people to get take a breath and you know even though it's not ideal be able to chart their way forward and so we just really hope that it's something that can be addressed and implemented soon uh, we've been led to believe that there will be a uh, agenda item to discuss this on uh, March 1st so we are certainly hoping that that comes uh, to fruition and that we'll be able to to get this implemented and take some weight off of people thanks to Hannah for putting it together of course 
Yeah, we've all really been running in, in a marathon with this legal cannabis thing for many years now. And this kind of feels to me like the part where we could potentially stop and like have that little cup of orange juice or something like that on the side and then get back in the race because people really um, can't continue if they don't have the funds to operate. So Hannah, is there anything else to say about that right now or do you want to move on to the op-ed? Yeah, no, I'd just like to touch upon, uh, because this situation has come up a lot in comments, is, well, you know, I still have, even if I'm not cultivating, even people who have taken advantage of the process that exists, as imperfect as it has been, have found themselves having to pay local cultivation minimum taxes. And I think that it speaks to the fact that the kind of mechanical processes and the education regarding how uh, cultivators can work in tandem with uh, the MCP really needs to be attended to and a bit more um, clarified. And I certainly understand that MCP is swamped and really busy trying to process all, all the applications. But I think a little attention to how information can be better put out there and how processes can be streamlined would be helpful. So right now, if somebody does take advantage of uh, the existing stays, they really need to make sure that the tax collector's office has that information right away so that if it is that they are not cultivating in that tax year, it is immediately known so that uh, as soon as the tax bill comes up, that information has already been provided and hopefully they won't get the tax bill. But if they have, they take advantage of the very narrow immediate window to rectify it so that it doesn't fall to a full appeal. And again, I think that there's some work that can be done to make sure that, on the one hand, the the burden remains with the person who is uh, following to follow up, but on the other hand, it's a process that is known and makes sense so that you don't have to go through a full appeal process if you have not, in fact, cultivated that year. So that's something that I think should be attended to at the same time. Thank you, Hannah. And again, to our listeners, if you're listening to this information and you have a question or a comment or you just need a little more clarification, we're going to be taking calls from you in about uh, 13 minutes, right around 930. So stay tuned for that opportunity and I'll give out the station number to you once we start taking those calls because I know that this is probably a lot um, and it's also very relevant. So make sure that you take this opportunity to Ask the source and get clarification if you need it. All right. So let's move on to the op-ed, unless we have something more to add there. Well, so I do just want to let folks oh, know, Jen, ahead. that yeah, if, if anyone would like to follow along with the items that we're talking about, they're actually posted on the MCA website, which is mendocannabis.com. And if you click on the policy tab, uh, that will take you to our policy page where you'll find the local license following proposal from Hannah, as well as the op-ed and the addendum to the op-ed, uh, which will which covers all of these items that we'll be discussing. 
Thank you so much, Michael. That is very helpful information. Um, I just want to take a second to thank Hannah and Michael for being on the show again. They're such awesome guests, as evidenced by that suggestion right there. And they make the time to come on the air all the time with me, and I really appreciate it. So thank you to both of you. Um, This op-ed here that we're going to be discussing next is a piece in Mendo Fever, um, an online news source, uh, news from Mendocino County and beyond. It was published on January 13th of this year, and it is a letter to the editor titled Potential Extinction of Tax-Paying Legal Mendocino Cultivators Must Be Addressed by Mendocino County. And this was written by Hannah. So, Hannah, I will let you go ahead and speak about this to our listeners. Actually, I just want to correct this, although, of course, I did a lot of the writing. This is a joint op-ed between myself and MCA. And, um, you know, it's true that my ridiculously long history uh, involved in local cannabis policy led me to have the basis of a lot of background information, but it really is a joint, a joint endeavor and um, important. And, you know, Michael has been an incredible, incredible leader for MCA and really has um, done enormous amount of work that I have been privileged to join him in with the ad hoc. And we both have a tremendous amount of respect for the supervisors that are turning their attention to these important issues. And we really don't want to disrespect that process in any way. We felt, however, that they needed the support to be able to uh, bring issues forward to the full board who may not have elevated uh, some of the issues to the level of importance that we all feel really the moment rises to. And that's why the kind of dramatic statements in the op-ed were made is because it's really a critical moment. And I, I think that we don't have to tell the cultivators who are experiencing this and other operators who are experiencing the challenges of this moment, that this isn't just any other time of challenges. These are really coalescing to be existential threats. And we felt that it was important while we fully respect the work of the ad hoc and and continue to work closely with them uh, and we'll always work with MCP and the full board and any opportunity that we can. We felt that it was time to elevate the the voice so that the full board can understand the context and the urgency of the actions that are needed to be taken now. Thank you, Hannah. And, you know, to our listeners, if To our listeners, if you would like to follow along with this op-ed as we're discussing it, you can go to mendofever.com. That's mendofever.com. Just navigate to the op-ed section of that website, and you will see this listed under cannabis, letter to the editor, potential extinction of tax-paying legal Mendocino cultivators must be addressed by Mendocino County. So I'm just going to read off some of those questions that um, MCA and Hannah Nelson posed in this op-ed. And those questions are, 
Why hasn't MCP staffed up since being directed and funded by the Board of Supervisors? Why did MCP not establish and publish clear standards, guidelines, and educational materials that would give applicants and staff clear and consistent basis for the portal submission requirements? Why have the applicants not been told when they will be able to correct any notice deficiencies? And more than that, what is the process of clearing up mistakes by staff or any unclear comments by staff regarding items they deemed deficient? Why do different reviewers review the same files and come to different determinations? What will the appeal process be if applicants are wrongly denied? These are all excellent questions. And Hannah and Michael, I'm going to give you two a chance to uh, sort of expand on them and address anything you would like to say about the questions I just read that were published in that op-ed. Sure. Well, I think... Well, yeah, uh, go, go ahead, ahead, Michael. Okay. Well, you know, basically, I think that in addition to what Hannah was saying about the impetus for this, you know, it's really an attempt to bring some of these questions that are being faced on a daily basis by licensed operators into a public light to have a broader conversation and, you know, make folks aware of these challenges. So, you know, in in traditional circumstances, there are clear directions for folks who are engaging in these processes in other areas. And so what we are finding is because this is a process that's being developed on the fly. And because there are a lot of deadlines, both uh, arbitrary, but some at the state level that there are concerns about, um, you know, and because there's not enough staffing at the cannabis program, which is clearly one of the main reasons that these bottlenecks continue to occur, um, you know, all of those things combine to create a perfect storm of challenges for both the operators and the program and the county. And so, you know, trying to get to the bottom of these challenges has not been an easy process uh, there's not a lot of transparent communication from the program, uh, and the number one request of operators is really to get information that is actionable and useful, and because I think on the inside, that isn't being shared uh, in ways that are useful, and people are not able to make plans that are necessary for their lives. I mean, we still don't know when the portal is going to reopen, but we're getting closer and closer to the beginning of the season. And if we recall, when the portal opened after much delay in August, it wound up with a window that closed right at harvest time. So if we're going to wind up having another, you know, what we believe is also a 30 day window that is, you know, too short for all the back and forth that will need to happen and have that potentially be happening around planting in the beginning of the season, this, these things want to be worked out and considered in advance. And so Hannah and MCA and other stakeholders have continually suggested and recommended and offered support. And unfortunately, those offers have not been uh, taken up on. And so, you know, we wanted to use this opportunity to re focus the magnifying glass on these issues, restate our willingness and our desire to support this process 
and, you know, really just lay it all out and say, how are we going to move this forward to save this community of our of our licensed tax paying cannabis businesses? And I'd like to add that and I've we got a feeling. Also, yes, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No, Michael, really uh, well stated the situation, but I'd like to also point everybody to the supplemental document that we also published, which is a more detailed eight page document, which really goes through in detail some of the issues that have come up, um, not to belabor the criticism, but to give concrete examples of the confusion that still exists, of the things that need to be addressed. And we broke it up into four main topic groups, the portal um, and the equity program and Appendix G processing and um, local taxation. And within the portal process, for example, there are some really key um, additional questions that that we ask um, and and point to in terms of, um, for example, the lack of clear communications regarding, you know, from, from MC Bay regarding standards for uh, submission for completeness. And, and from the beginning, we've said, hey, we think that the line between uh, submission for completeness of application versus uh, the line for uh, approval or denial have been blurred. And initially, people were really told that uh, the initial review would be through the portal would be for completeness of application and not the substantive underlying review, which might be a bit more detailed and required some additional information or back and forth, potentially, if the reviewer felt it was necessary. And what we found was in the initial portal process, which was so time limited and without, you know, a a sufficient amount of time to go back and forth, that the reviews were actually more substantive. And and that really muddied things without clear standards, with a background of confusion of some forms not being uh, correct or not sufficient examples or educational materials or whatever. And again, we we really don't point out all of these items of the challenges through the portal, through the equity program, through uh, the Appendix G processing, and through taxation issues to the you know, uh, just whiners or complainers, we're, we're pointing it out so that we can say, hey, here's where we need to focus. And this is why there is a need to urgently address things, even though the full board has repeatedly decided it is inappropriate to have a standing committee or to make cannabis an ongoing priority in a topic of discussion, we felt the need to point out the collection of things that have added up um, because we really want to work through these and with, with the program and with the board. And we're providing solutions as well. So like there are things that can be done now today 
Uh, and there are things that can be worked on with the example of taxes. Right now, you know, there's a voter initiative that set up our tax structure and there are ways that it must be utilized and restrictions on how it can be altered. But right now, uh, the change could be made by the board to only levy a tax based on the canopy being cultivated as opposed to the total amount of the allotted canopy. So if someone has a 10,000 square foot permit, but it's only cultivating 5,000 square feet, they could alter the tax so that they are in that 5,000 square foot tax bracket. That could happen instead uh, while to make larger changes, there would need to be a new voter initiative, which we have offered to work with the county on to bring to the voters together collaboratively. Uh, so, you know, there's stuff that can happen now and there are things that need to be worked on. But if we don't all put our heads in and really get into the trenches with this, we're going to find that these challenges increase and we're going to see more and more people lose their businesses and their homes. So we actually have a caller already, even though we have not even officially opened up the lines yet. So as long as you two are all right to pause for a moment there, I'll put this caller through and see what they have to say. Does that sound good? Sure. Sounds good. All, all right. Okay. Caller, are you here with us? You Hello. Are live on How are you guys doing? Hour. Hello. Hello. All right. Thank in. you so much for having me. Yes. Um, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm a third-generation cannabis farmer here from Mendocino County. Um, we've gone through the process. It's you know, it started off with the Department of Agriculture coming out to Laytonville and coercing us into signing up for a program that was going to be smooth and easy. Has turned into a four-year drawn-out process in which we just got our permit. Um, during the time, the county has been taxing us the whole time, basically what I call taxation without representation. And now that we're kind of coming to a culminating point where we're seeing a die-off in the industry, we're wondering if uh, there's other people out there that have been taxed for years of cultivation that they haven't cultivated also. And we're wondering if, you know, if any of those groups are getting together and speaking uh, on this. You know, um, like I said, we've we're stuck with about a $30,000 tax bill here in Mendocino County for four years of waiting because we decided to apply in 2017 uh, with the then Diane Curry as head of the uh, Department of Agriculture um, to then be passed around from department to department to then be thrown into the parking lot in a modular trailer with one person behind a piece of plexiglass. So, it, you know, as a one of only a couple hundred or a few hundred people still having permits in the county. I'm wondering how everybody's doing with uh, the tax taxes that, you know, that we never even got to do anything for to get. You know, we're, we're stuck paying money that we never even sold anything. We never grew anything. We were waiting, you know, accumulating bills and everything the whole time. So, you know, I know that we have a, a, a tax initiative that's going on the ballot and we're all voting for it, and that's great. Um <clears throat> It's kind of sad because I was kind of one of the ones that voted for the tax in Mendocino County because I thought that it was going to be beneficial and help. And uh, it's just been a burden the whole time. I'd, if I'd have known that I'd been forced to pay taxes for four years of waiting for a permit because I applied, um, I probably would have never voted for that in the first place. Thank you so much, caller. I really appreciate you calling in to share those thoughts with us. And if we have any other callers out there 
that are listening that have a question or a comment, that number to call is 707-895-2448. And we have another caller on hold. So before we put them through, we're going to see Hannah and Michael. Do you have anything to say in response to that caller? Yeah, I, I actually do. I, I'm so, so, first off, congratulations on finally getting your permit. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of people have been through the torturous four and a half going on five years, and may it will be five years, um, process and through many shifts and paperwork loss and whatnot by the program and changes of leadership many, many times. Um, fortunately, I, I think that there aren't as many people as you are placed, and I'm so sad that you are in that position, where you actually did not cultivate at all during those times. And I really wish that you had uh availed yourself of the opportunity to file notices with the tax collector demonstrating that you were not cultivating. Um, and that speaks to the need for better education about whatever tools, as imperfect as they may be, uh, that are available to help stop the bleeding and allow people to hunker through the process as best they can. Um, and, and that's really what what our message is, is we need, we need to have simple, more simple processes and better communication about them. So I, I wish you the best of luck and please everybody be, be very sure that you understand or ask about what processes are currently in place to be able to, uh, halt the imposition of the minimum tax if applicable, if you're not in fact cultivating. Currently, our system is very, very limited in the exceptions for when tax is imposed. But if somebody is not cultivating at all, that is possible. All right. Thank you. And we have another caller on hold. So we are going to go ahead and put them through. Hi, caller. Are you here with us? You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Hello, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you for calling in. No problem at all. Um, I'd like to speak on something different than the previous caller, if that's okay. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to talk mostly about the state of the economy as of late, mostly on the price of cannabis. It's uh, ridiculous, to say the least. And I want to call out to all my fellow farmers, cultivators, and everyone involved in the industry to hold your ground, maintain a good product, cure it right, store it right, and don't cave. It's up to us. And that's it. That's all I want to say. Don't Thank trust you. Whitey. Thank you, caller. Thank you. A call from for solidarity from a community member here. Thank you for that message. So I don't believe we have any other callers at the moment. But I'm going to give out that number one more time. If we've got a caller out there and you have a question or a comment. Oh, it looks like we do. All right. We're going to put that caller on through. Hi, caller. You are live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? Yes, I'm here. Oh, great. We can hear you now. Thanks for calling in. You're live on the air. Hi. um, I just wanted to go back to um, 
the caller that was talking about um, the county tax and then the um, the response that was given to that. Um, we also have um, a permitted farm. We have two permits. We have a 5,000-square-foot permit for outdoor, and then we have a nursery permit. And um, we have been pay- we have- we pay our taxes um, on on the five thousand square foot. Um, you know, every quarter we come in and we make those payments. But with that, we also have to pay the nursery permit, which is not in use. But to keep it active for the county, they are requiring twenty five hundred dollars a year, which is six hundred and twenty five dollars every quarter that I come in and I make. So to clarify, I'm paying the taxes for something we're using, and I'm also paying taxes to keep a permit that we are not using. So they're basically just permit fees for a permit that is not active because we couldn't get it um, up and going currently, you know, right away. And so we, but we don't want to lose our permit because it took so much to get it. Um, so we've been paying the twenty five hundred dollars. Um, you know, to, to that, just to have this permit in our possession um, with no development on it. So that's just kind of another thing that we've been paying to the county, um, you know, and out, just to keep our just to keep our um, paperwork in order. So I I just wanted to throw that in there and add that in. I had been told at one point that um, there was a possibility that they were going to let us do that as a non-operative um, option, but that never happened. And um, I just I just wish that there was something a little bit more helpful for, you know, the people that are trying to do all this correctly here in this county. And, you know, it, it's just... It's just really, um, it's kind of a bummer to try to be productive and, and do all this stuff and not have any help come from anywhere else and just give, give, give. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. And thanks for having the Cannabis Hour. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, caller. I really appreciate um, the words you have to share with us. And thanks for calling in. We have one more caller, and after that, we have uh, we have just a few minutes here remaining with our guests because we have something else to play for you. So we're going to go ahead and take that last caller. Um, hi, caller. Are you here with us? Are you on the yes. Cannabis Hour? Yes. Thanks All for right. taking my go call. Go ahead, caller. Thank you for taking my call. Um, at the beginning, well, at the beginning of this last session, you had asked somebody had you know asked all those questions, you know, why this and why that and why the other thing, and it just occurred to me that the same there's just one answer to every single one of those questions and all of these problems, and um, the answer is that it's because it got legalized, okay? It became a legal issue and so subject to all the possible legal ramifications of it, when actually it's a plant. It's just a plant. And all that really needed to happen was it just needed to be decriminalized, you know. And any crimes that might have been related to its um, cultivation, and movement, sale, and or use um, would still have been crimes and could be have dealt with, could have been dealt with criminally, um, I just wish there was some way to just nix the whole legalization thing and just get it decriminalized, let it give it back to people and their gardens for their medicine. You know, I used to be able to get uh, medicinal cannabis seeds 
and hemp seeds for free at the seed exchanges at the local farmer's markets. I can't find them now, and I can't afford to pay for them. You know, and if I could afford to pay for them, the farmers couldn't afford mm, to grow it for what they could sell it for. You know, it's thank the, you it's like, so much. Yes, it's like you know, yes. give to God with God, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's. The the medicine yes. is God's and ours. It's for the yes. people. And you know what? We have only three minutes left here, so I think that's all the time we have for for. Um, your call. And thank you so much for calling in and sharing that. I think we all feel the same way. Uh, So Hannah and Michael, would you like to quickly share any last thoughts? Um, We have three minutes left here. Hannah, you want to go ahead? Sure. Um, I I guess I want to say that there are also, besides legalization issues, there's issues regarding local control and local land use and really those are the issues that touch us most directly at this point if the state of california were to change it not only from being uh, a lawfully cultivated plant but also to be a regular agricultural crop then a lot of the issues that we face and the complexities that we face would fall away uh with respect to the taxation issues there's a lot of work both at the state level and the local level as well as other regulatory matters so our op-ed was dealing with this current moment in time with respect to our county's need to address some of these critical issues and work with us to make it a more practical reality so that we don't lose this incredibly precious industry and community for good with that said we are absolutely committed and mca is a member of origins council which is a statewide advocacy group to changes at the state level as well so we are all action at all levels and really need your participation and your attention to all of the matters so please go to the mca website and look at the details of the issues that we're we're trying to get engagement on. Thanks. Yeah, and, and I just encourage folks to, as Hannah said, go to MendoCannabis.com, click on policy, get a handle on these things that we're talking about. They're very important to the future of our cannabis program, and we encourage folks to reach out to their supervisors directly and let them know how important it is to address these issues in an ongoing and ex- expedited way. So uh, please reach out to your supervisors, and if you have any questions about how to do that, you can hit me up through the website. Perfect. Thank you so much, Hannah Nelson and Michael Katz, for joining us today on the Cannabis Hour. What you're going to hear played for you now is a message from Jude Tillman, who is also a part of Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. It's an appeal for support, so please stay tuned and listen to that. That's going to take us to the end of the hour, so I will see you again in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening to the Cannabis Hour, and Happy New Year to you all. All right. I've got a special guest on the line with me right now. This is Jude Tillman. She is co-chair of Mendocino Cannabis Alliance, as well as the CEO of Dragonfly Wellness Center. 
and she is here with a very important message for support from MCA. Jude, what would you like to share with our listeners today? No kidding. All right. Thanks very much, Jen. Um, What I'm presenting today is sort of an end-of-the-year report from the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. We titled it, Adios to 2021, and Here's to a Better 2022. So, here we go. To all our Mendocino Cannabis Alliance family and friends, the leadership of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance wishes you and yours a peaceful and happy holiday season. We care deeply about you and our entire community. And we will continue to work hard on your behalf as together we move forward into 2022. Now, but before going any further, it's worth stating that we're able to give you these greetings due to the support of Mendocino's premier cannabis radio program, the Cannabis Hour, and the kind support of producer host Jen Prakashi. Thank you, Jen, again. So over the past two years, we've seen remarkable progress MCA has grown to become the premier trade association for Mendocino County. And as we begin planning for our work next year, it has become clear that we must rely on more consistent funding to support all the work we started in 2021. We want to sustain as well as expand our success going into 2022. So this letter is an appeal to help us grow our success from those successful seeds planted last year and the year before, take a look at what made us so successful and how we measure that success. So we've transformed from a valuable grassroots advocacy organization in 2019 to an invaluable trade association in 2021. That took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, which principally fell on the shoulders of our paid executive director, Michael Katz. Our new ED took over the reins of MCA in November 2020, and with his passionate commitment and hard work, we've accomplished a lot. So here's just a few of MCA's noteworthy accomplishments in 2021. Working with MCA members, MCD, again, working with MCA members, MCD, Sovereign, and Mendocino Producers Guild, Michael Katz spearheaded the recent Small Farmers Initiative, allowing over 40 small farms to have free booths in this year's Emerald Cup. In the county, we won the continuation of a Board of Supervisors Cannabis ad hoc that they had scheduled to end December 31st, 2021. This cannabis ad hoc meeting with MCA has agreed to do a few things, such as working on creating an appeal process for applicants, something MCA has been calling on for four and a half years. This is a lifeline for applicants who may be facing denial letters from the Mendocino Cannabis Program. Very important progress. The ad hoc is now recognizing, and it says they'll deal with the problems that occurred with the portal process. The ad hoc also says they're going to be checking out the administration of the equity grant program and why there's been such a delay in the disbursement of funds. Now, these are just recent examples from the past few months. The bottom line is the county recognizes that the Mendocino cannabis industry is in jeopardy, and they are now turning to MCA and asking for our recommendations as to how to fix it. But our struggle to survive in the current competitive California marketplace, it's bigger than just county policy. 
We're very proud to say that along with five other county trade associations, including Humboldt, Trinity, Sonoma, Nevada, and Big Sur, we're an active and passionate member of Origins Council, which is now the largest cannabis advocacy organization in California and one of the top three largest in the entire country. It advocates for state-level changes on issues ranging from taxes to market expansion for small operators to appellations that will strengthen market positioning and survival for our distinguished craft flower. We've set up a direct-to-consumer pilot program in Sacramento due to launch in January of 2022. It's designed to return very high value directly into our small farmers' pockets. Now, with this program, we're going to accomplish a lot over the next few years. We're going to clearly advance the Mendo brand on a statewide and then eventually on an interstate level. As we send our stories out to the world under the tagline, Cannabis with a Conscience, we'll create a values-based, long-term niche consumer market that seeks out our craft cannabis products, kind of like fair trade coffee. We're going to be doing a lot of branding and marketing work for the farmer who can't get that together just yet, but will eventually, we'll help out with that. We're going to be creating a Mendocino identity that our local brands will be very proud to be a part of. Now, if we look back a little further, we see MCA developed a sound professional response to some pretty dramatic events that took place in 2021. So if you all recall, during the referendum days of last summer, MCA carefully respected all opinions while expressing our own clear position and integrating different viewpoints through coalition building, all while keeping doors open to communications with all sides as well as with the county. We spearheaded a broad coalition of seven grassroots advocacy organizations united behind a statement of concern and direction for the county after the overwhelming defeat of a proposed ordinance that would have threatened a way of life that is central to Mendocino County. We successfully advocated for additions to the county state legislative platform for 2022. We're going to keep monitoring those recommendations and see how they progress along with our colleagues in Orange's Origins Council. So basically in 2021, MCA carefully wound its way through the twists and turns of very difficult political issues, some of which divided our own community. But we did so with respect, integrity, and by always keeping an eye on our mission, along with the intention of bringing our community together around those things that unite us. In the words of Margaret Wheatley, quote, there is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. End quote. So what's ahead in 2022? The stature the MCA has earned has led to new activities and alliances that will further our influence on behalf of our members. We're going to be a 2022 California State Fair affiliate, marking the first time that cannabis is included at that level. We're in a cannabis tourism partnership with Visit Mendocino County, and we've just produced and will soon release a collaborative promotional video shining a bright light on Mendocino cannabis. We're going to be a part of an upcoming, very soon to be released, Rolling Stone magazine article slated to track the highs and the lows of legalization in our producer region. 
We have a regular MCA branded column in Skunk Magazine online. And that column is creating a compilation of our stories that will help build our unique Mendocino legacy in the larger marketplace. There are so many issues to be tackled in 2022. Taxes, the need for greater market access, treating cannabis in parity with all agriculture. There are so many issues to be tackled in 2022. Taxes, the need for greater market access, treating cannabis in parity with all agriculture, allowing fallowing for our struggling farmers, an appellation system that will define our legacy cannabis for decades to come, and so much more. We need a robust and influential trade association to focus on all these critical challenges. We need MCA. And we need a strong, committed executive director, as we have with Michael Katz. It's so true that our leadership team, including our pro bono advisors, Hannah Nelson and Janine Coleman, and all the members of our working committees, our team as a whole is fantastic. Meeting, researching, discussing, writing. Did I mention meeting? Let me mention it again. (laughs) Devoting many hours to our mission. These folks are dedicated members of our cannabis community who have stepped forward to help make all this happen. And they do so without financial compensation. That's a lot of labor value. But if there's anything we've learned, it's that having that main point person tracking it all, responding to the whirlwind of events that hit us every day, speaking out to the public and officials on our behalf, this is what increases MCA's capacity and professional presence. And this is what has been made possible due to the expertise and passionate commitment of our executive director. So what can you do to help? Boy, it took me a long time to get to my punchline, huh? This is where I wish we were on TV so you could see the scroll below my words. (laughs) What can you do to help? Number one, do you know someone who has not yet joined MCA? or come on board with a business sponsorship, tell us about them, or better yet, talk to them about the value that MCA membership brings. Direct them to join at mendocannabis.com forward slash join. Don't worry, I'll repeat that again later. Number two, are you behind in your dues? Please pay up as soon as you can at efundraisingconnections.com forward slash c forward slash MCA. If you could pay a year in advance, you get two months free membership. And if you're part of a cooperative or you're an elder, 60 years or older, just use the discount code heritage for 25% off. That's a chuck of change. Number three, if you have the means and value the services that MCA provides, can you donate beyond your dues by becoming a sponsor. We have deliverables specifically for sponsors listed at mendocannabis.com. We have a cooperative sponsorship by several members, which could serve as a creative means of pooling your money together and boosting MCA's annual sponsorship support. As an example, we're very grateful to Hive Mendocino for their sponsorship, as well as the individual membership of each Hive member themselves. Okay, let's sum up. Sure, we've been through a lot. We've come a long, long way as well. 
We've become the premier trade association for the cannabis community and industry in Mendocino County. We are listened to. We're respected. Right now, we're planning our operating budget for 2022, and our executive director's salary is paramount in our priorities. Sharing these costs among a group of 130 or so member businesses makes the load a bit more bearable, but we still need to create revenue streams that are both consistent and reliable and will allow us to make our commitments for the entire year. My dear friends, our New Year's wish for you is health, success, and love from this community that cares so much about each other. No amount of money is too little or too great to pull together in support of our common mission. Please give generously today. MendoCannabis.com forward slash join. And again, a shout out of appreciation to Jen Procacci and the premier cannabis radio program in Mendocino County, the Cannabis Hour, every other Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on KZYX and Z, 91.5 in Willis, Ukiah, 88.1 in Fort Bragg, and 90.7 everywhere else. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.